Before we start today's podcast, we have a quick word from our sponsor. I'm Corey Francois. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. What did I just listen to? Oh, this game. This game is this game is just bullshit now. Oh my gosh. I actually they actually make me feel uncomfortable. What was it? Panty what? The game has gone to bullshit. Panty melted? Why do we record these during the middle of games? Oh, God. Be sure to listen to Corey and I every Monday. We are your go-to source for the Arizona Coyotes on the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome, everyone, to the Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me again, as always, is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in this game because he's always the same. That's me. Now, grumpy, we are recording actually on a Saturday evening. Um, And I think the reason for that being is obviously the New York Islanders have defeated the Florida Panthers in game one. Is that really the reason why we're podcasting on a Saturday evening as opposed to a Sunday afternoon? I would say it's because we're giddy after the Islanders' first game back, really, and a victory for the Islanders. So I would I would argue, yeah, possibly that could be the reasoning. I thought it was because your fiancé said that she, you need to spend more time with her on Sundays. That's what I heard. Um, You know, that is ahead, not necessarily the case. You can admit it. Grumpy, that is not the case, Grumpy. It is the case. Don't make me get her on the podcast and tell the truth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, grumpy old man. Um, that's, that's the whip sound, isn't it? No, 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 grumpy. Yeah, okay. um, well, she just started her rotations and, you know, she's got one day off a week and that being Sunday. So it just, I think it works out better that either we record if we can possibly on Saturdays. But, you know, if they've got a game Sunday, we've got to record after the Sunday evening game. So, whoops. Thank you. Okay. Now, getting to the Islander game. Uh, yes, we did win today. And that's, they played, you know, Islander hockey under Barry Trotz. That's what they played today. And certainly a deserved victory. Uh, I mean, I have three stars. I'm not even going to go into my negatives today because I'm just happy with a victory, even though there were some negative, some things that need to be worked out. Some players I thought need to step up a little bit and do a little bit more, but uh, that's about as good a game as we could play, honestly. I, I'll i tell you one thing. I saw a post online, and I couldn't agree with this more. And the post was essentially likening the head coach, Barry Trotz, to – obviously, he's an elite-level coach in the NHL. There's really It's really hard to argue against that. But when you have a coach like that who is very disciplined – and he focuses again on the nuances and the small stuff on the defensive side of the puck. That is the type of result you earn when you come back after a long break like that. Because again, he's a veteran coach and he knows the players know the expectations. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, like I said, we even mentioned that last week that teams like the Islanders who usually start a season 
uh, and coming out of this uh, break that they've had, I knew they were going to be refocused again. I mean, I'm not saying that it was good uh, for the season to go on hold, you know, for the reasons that it went on hold, but it certainly helped the Islanders. I really believe that because we were in a tailspin uh, when we I went th- into the break. I think it helped the Islanders for a few reasons. And I would be remiss if this is not the first player we mentioned on the podcast. But grumpy old man, after watching the game today, holy crap, how much did the New York Islanders organization miss Adam Pellick? Yeah, he really solidifies the uh, that that defense, the defense back there. It really does. Uh, I think all the main, you know, with Johnny getting hurt today, I think that uh, everyone played over 20 minutes today, the other five defensemen. Yeah, Johnny Johnny did get hurt early, and we'll talk about that a little later. I just wanted to kind of focus on Adam Pellick's return and how much of an impact he's made to this defensive core. Um, and I know maybe it's maybe the Florida Panthers are not terrific right now. Obviously, they struggled in their exhibition game against the Tampa Bay Lightning earlier on in the week, losing five to nothing. But still, I thought we looked extremely sound on the defensive side. Yeah, without a doubt. And I'm going to tell you what: don't sell the Panthers short. Okay, they were struggling going into the break. They got absolutely obliterated against Tampa. Tampa's good, though. Tampa's real good. You know, they're my favorites to win the cup. Um, but, you know, you have Barkov and Huberdo, and uh, I don't know who the other guy on that line is. Hoffman, Mike okay, Hoffman. Hoffman. Okay. I think he's on that line, but I know Mike Hoffman's really the other yeah. big piece. I mean, they, they, have, they, can, they can score. And I'll tell you what, when they were on the power play a couple times today, they, I was worried. Uh, but we never panicked. That's one thing. They, they We don't panic. Our defense, which for the most part is really young, does not panic in, in tough situations like that. I just thought we were just super cool as cucumbers. What a solid defensive effort. I mean, I mean, you look at even the def, even the uh, the wingers coming back and, and helping for the most part. Uh, it was it was a great defensive effort by us today. It really was. Yeah, I, I mean, it would be hard to argue against that. And, and Adam Pellick's return, again, I'm going to harp on this one more time. I think it shows you how much we've missed him. That And, again, this is only one game and a, and a very, very small sample size. But you're looking at next season where he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. And I can promise you this much. You need to be proactive as humanly possible with signing back Pellick because he is worth anything and everything that is needed to be offered to keep him on the island. Yeah, I think he is one of the unsung heroes on this team, honestly. Like I said, he is the perfect partner. He and Pulak are really fantastic together. Um, and uh, you you are mistaken about Pellick, though. He signed uh, for next year, and he's a restricted free agent after the 21 uh, in the for the 21-22 season. So Okay, I was about to ask. Now, he's going to be 26. I wasn't sure how that worked. I thought he would technically have been an unrestricted free agent, but he'll be still restricted, Grumpy? Yes, he's still restricted. Um so and he's another guy we need to lock up. I mean, let's be honest. Um and that, and that's what I was saying. We need to be proactive about that because he does have one more year left on a contract. Um, but you know, his return and how badly the Islanders struggled without him during the regular season this year, it it just, again, solidifies how important of a piece he might not be the flashy name on the Islanders roster, but he definitely is important to help the team win games. And he's not going to get a contract like, uh, Pulak and even to a lesser extent Taves because 
he does different things. He's just defensive defenseman. He's not a guy who's going to play on the power play and put up points. So he's going to get paid less. So I really, yeah, you don't see defensive defensemen get huge deals. You got to put up points if you want to make big money. I mean, you know, let's just let's just be realistic. I mean, I'm not saying. I mean, I think he's 1.6. He gets paid now, even if you give him a bump up to three. Um, you know, I it, you know, here's the thing. That's a long ways off. We have to worry about this offseason first before I start worrying about next year. But I, okay. I can, but he's he'll definitely they will resign him and he'll be a guy that they protect for certain. Now, Grumpy, when I'm thinking about a quintessential defensive defenseman, I'm thinking of a guy kind of like Dan Hamhuse. And I know Dan Hamhuse is he had put up some offensive production. I think the most points he'd ever had was kind of around the upper thirties, but I'm thinking about a guy who's a quintessential defensive defenseman, um, a top, a top tier player in the league. And he had that rep for being a top tier defensive defenseman for a long time. I mean, Dan Hanhuse for the Vancouver Canucks was earning, I think around like 4.5 or, or upwards of $4 million a year. So I, I don't think it'd be crazy to think maybe Adam Pellick might earn somewhere around that. Yeah. But Pellick doesn't bring the top of offense that, that uh, Ham Hughes did. He he just that's not his skill set. And Ham Hughes was a fantastic two way defenseman. I love Dan Ham Hughes. Uh, I thought he was fantastic with Nashville and then with Vancouver. Um, I think he's still kicking around the league, honestly. And uh, but yes, he is. He's actually back with Nashville again, grumpy okay. old man. Okay, and but you know, I don't think you're going to see Pellick score fifty points his entire career, let alone you know, score upwards of almost 40 in a season. It's just, it's just not his, it's just not his game. Well, Pellick, Pellick, I mean, this season, obviously he was hurt and it was shortened. Um, but the two seasons prior, he scored, I think, 20 points at least each season. Again, he's not going to be a guy who's going to be producing um, unbelievable points. I don't think you're ever going to see that out of Adam Pellick, but we really didn't see that out of Dan Hughes either. I was just, and again, I don't want to sell Dan Hughes short, but, when you it, thought about Dan, you thought of him mostly as a guy who was a steady rock back there on the on the defensive side of the puck. Yeah, he could do everything, and he did produce offense. I I just don't think that uh, a Pelic is a is a mat, is a um, good comparison for Ham Hughes. I just don't. I just I just think that Ham Hughes had a had more skill and was a better player overall. That's not selling selling uh, Adam Pelic short because. I think he is fantastic for this system and this team working with Ryan Pulak. I just think they're great together. Yeah. I, I, and again, I, I hope that Adam Pellick could grow into a guy like Dan Hughes. And I know this is, again, we shouldn't probably be talking about that too much, but I think most importantly now is, is kind of talking about Johnny Boychuk. Um, obviously he went out injured um, of the game out of the game today. Um, he took that weird bump where he fell on his back or his butt earlier on in the first period and he you know he was coming off the ice saying I'm fine I'm fine um moving around a little stiffly you could tell those hits when he falls like that he doesn't bounce back as quickly as he used to just by the way he was skating off the ice um and then he took that hit by I think now grumpy old man I don't I don't remember who it was I think it may have been Matheson but he took that hit after the slap shot kind of to that head region and and he went right for concussion protocol yeah, and it was Matheson uh, on the first hit in the first period. Uh, it wasn't even, I know they gave a tripping penalty to whoever that was. I don't remember who it was, honestly. Um, 
but it didn't really look like much of a trip. It looks like maybe he was just a little off balance and he got a little bit of a shove and he did fall a little awkwardly in the boards, but I was surprised he stayed on the ice that long and he was definitely hurting. Uh, and he sat out the majority of the rest of the first period, came back out for the second, uh, started driving in the zone and takes a shot, kind of got caught in the trolley tracks a little bit, looking at his shot. Matheson hit him. I didn't think it was a dirty shot. Matter of fact, I'm glad that they you didn't. Don't, you didn't think it was a dirty hit, correct? No, not yeah, right, right. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I thought Matheson, you know, taking a shot at him uh, or a hit, however you want to call it. I didn't <laughs> think that it was worthy of five minutes, and I'm glad the referees made that determination too. Uh, like I said, Johnny just was kind of with his head down a little bit, and Matheson could have eased up for certain. Uh, but I don't think it was an attempt to injure hit. And uh, the fact that Johnny went into concussion protocol put the stress on the rest of our defense, which we they stood up big time. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't know what Johnny's going to be like. He's got two days off. But I'd almost say let's slide Noah Dobson in there in the next game and see what happens. Well, I, I think it's safe to say now with concussion protocol obviously being taken very serious during any type of sporting event in today's day of age, uh, it's safe to say that he'll probably at least have a week off. Um, and again, he might be back sooner. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, I will tell you this much, Grumpy. I do not think Dobson's going to be the the player slid into that role. It it might be Andy Green. And I know they don't play. I know they don't play exactly the same position. I know Dobson does play that left left handed defenseman role. Dobson, I just Dobson plays the right. I'm hand sorry, hand. the right handed defenseman role. Um, I just think that Perry Trotz likes Andy Green, and it would rather have a veteran presence back there. Yeah, but then you have a guy playing on his offside, and I, I never think that that's uh, optimal. I really don't. Who are you going to flip over to the other side? You know, I mean, I don't know. I'd, I'd much rather give the shot to Dobson. I think he's solid out there. Uh, here's the thing. If it was me, I'd rather play Green at Dobson and set Letty out. Really? Yes. You'd rather sit Letty at Cronfield, man. Yes, I know they're not going to do that. There's no way they said Letty, but that's what I would do. If those two guys were working together in tandem and were looking really good, well, Boychuk's out, Letty sits out too, and we put in that pairing. That was just as good, supposedly, according to Barry Trotz, just as good as any pairing out there. Then you throw them out there to be your third pair. <laughs> I'm, just, now, hey, I'm just going with what the coach says, right? <laughs> You're right, grumpy old man. If that – is accurate how Barry Trotz depicted that, then, you know, you definitely could go ahead and just roll out the other defensive pairing and give Letty, I guess, a few days off until Boychuk might be ready. But I don't anticipate that that's actually going to happen. That's one for the grumpy old man, Barry Trotz. Thank you. Use your words against you. <laughs> oh, grumpy old man. I also thought Simone Varlamov played extremely well today. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think he was really tested. For the most part, I think they did a kind of like last year when they were rolling and Leonard and Grice were playing so great in goal. You didn't see a whole lot of primo scoring opportunities, a lot of shots from outside. I'm not saying he didn't play well today, even though that goal is probably he won he wants back. That's when he probably should have made a save on. Uh, but, you know, most of the shots were coming from outside, nothing point blank in the crease really for the most part. Uh, like I said, just a great team defensive effort. And, you know, hey, when your goalie stops 27 out of 28 shots, you can't really complain. No, you can't. And I think the goalie also, Grabowski, for the Florida Panthers, had an outstanding game. Yeah, he played He played extremely well. He always And he had a bad regular season, but he always plays well against the Islanders. So it was nice to see us pop that first one on, in on him and then the second one. And I felt pretty good after that, honestly. 
I was about to say, Grumpy, I did not know he had performed so poorly this season until they showed the stats before the game. And again, I don't keep up much with the Florida Panthers, at least not attentive enough to know exactly what his stats and numbers looked like this season. But I was shocked that his numbers were as as atrocious as they were, to be honest and frank. Well, that's why I'm the NHL analyst and expert, and you're just the Pollyanna Islander fan. That's the reason uh, I knew that. I mean, I think we even I think I even talked about it. Thanks for paying attention on other podcasts leading up to this. I think I mentioned that to you. But I know you don't listen to anything I really say. You just go on with your head in the clouds. You're right. I'm wrong. I understand how it goes. Anders uh, Lee versus Patrick Kane. I know how it goes. Oh, grumpy old man. That one never gets old. <sighs> I feel like it never will. Um I thought the Islanders, though, as a whole, played extremely well. Uh, the first goal was scored by Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Um, and Grumpy, you can go ahead and get your little tagline for him in there. The greatest number 44 in New York sports since Reggie Jackson. <laughs> and I was watching that that goal a little closely. Um, I think it's Brett Connolly for the Florida Panthers, um, or the Connolly who plays for the Florida Panthers, my God almighty, he was loafing back on defense and it allowed that puck to go slide right past his stick, right to Jean-Gabriel Pajot. And I just couldn't help but think if I was a Florida Panthers fan and saw that, I would be throwing my remote through the television screen at how lazy and how out of position Conley was for that pass. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to blame Brett Conley as much as I'm going to credit J.G. Pajot, he busted it to get in front, and he split through three guys on that play. No, no, no. Jean-Gabriel Pajot did a terrific job. I don't want to take anything away from him. What I'm bringing up, and I was trying to make a point to this, is that type of lazy display where you see a guy you know, gliding essentially back on the defensive side of the puck who's not necessarily uh, putting forth enough effort to where if he would have made one more stride, he would have intercepted that pass, and that goal wouldn't have existed. You don't see that type of you don't see that type of action displayed on a Barry Trot style hockey team, and and from the New York Islanders, you will never question the effort the New York Islanders put in. That is for sure. Well, Bailey floated back on that goal that Huberdo scored. He drifted back uh, on that goal. Um, you know, so I mean, it happens. It happens. That said, uh, I thought well, we're going to get into our three stars later. There were three guys to me who were just fantastic today. Uh, the whole team played well, but there were three guys that really stood out to me today and not guys that you'd expect. So Okay, Grumpy. And again, like whatever you're ready, go ahead and talk about those three stars. We can definitely go ahead and introduce that. But I thought looking at the game from a whole standpoint, I thought the Islanders played a solid performance really from start to finish. I know the Florida Panthers didn't have a shot on goal until I believe it was like 10 minutes and 40 seconds into the game, something crazy like that. And I thought to myself how crazy it is to have the shoe on the other foot because how many times this season, grumpy old man, during the regular season, did we have spurts where the Islanders would not register a shot on goal for 10-plus minutes throughout a period? Yeah, well, our four-check was outstanding in the first period. And you got to remember we had, what, three, two or three power plays. Um, now, okay, you said a Florida Panther fan should be throwing the remote when they saw Connolly not hustling back. Well, that's I was yelling at the TV when they had that four-on-three, and one guy managed to pin two guys on the blue line on a four-on-three power play. And then how about chipping the puck deep just once, just once instead of just skating over the blue line and stopping? I mean, it drove me crazy. I, to me, I thought the power play, it was okay. It was better in the second period. 
I'm not going to say okay, but it was better in the second period, particularly on the uh, Bavillier goal. Um, but for the most part, man, I'm worried about a team that is really good offensively and is fast. I, I think we're going to beat Florida. Okay. But I'm talking, I'm looking down the line teams that have speed are going to give us a problem. I just, yeah, they're, def- they're definitely going to give us trouble grumpy. And we, we talked about this, our last podcast, and even podcasts before this one, we definitely think, and we, we thought and still think the New York Islanders are going to beat the Florida Panthers. Um, I think they don't match up well with us. We beat them all three times we played in this regular season. And I, I don't predict us really struggling too much to, to beat the Florida Panthers in, in the best of five series. So I definitely am looking forward to game two. Um, but I will tell you this, I, I think the power play can definitely use work. It always can use work. And I guess I'm at the point with the power play grumpy um, that I just kind of expect failure or I I expect it to be unsuccessful. And maybe that's where, where my point of view is a little different than yours. I don't really expect much from our power play. And and I kind of reiterated this on Twitter as well. I don't think necessarily it's the structure. I don't think it has really much to do with it. I think it has mostly to do with the actual personnel. Last year, I was thinking it had to do with Scott Gomez, and we see the same struggles that carried over this year. And I thought to myself, yeah, I don't think it has necessarily much to do with the power play coach. doesn't have much to do with the actual structure of the power play. I think it has to do a little bit more with the personnel. Now, given Jean-Gabriel Pajot, I think, adds a little bit more offensive pop uh, to the power play, but it was a nice goal by Bavillier today. Okay, so you're admitting that. Your rants against Scott Gomez last year probably helped get him fired because, you know, you're so popular in the <laughs> podcasting world. Uh, you know, but I told you from last year, it was the talent on the power play. And it was the same thing here. Now look at who the power play when it looked good today. Who was out there? Bavillier, Broussard, Pajot. Those are my three stars today. I mean, I thought this is the best. I thought this was the best that Derek Broussard has looked in an Islander uniform today. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. He had so much jump. Uh, Pajot was fantastic today also. Uh, and I thought Bavillier drove the second line. I mean, you know, my buddy Croc had – I was a little bit concerned uh, in the second period where he has that wide open shot and he just doesn't get the puck up. And then he has another opportunity at third, doesn't get the puck up. You know, you worry when you don't score right at the end to make it 3 nothing at the end of the second period. You go in, they score in the first minute of the second period. It's like, oh, boy, watch out. But it just shows how much we were really in control of the game where it didn't really hurt. But I thought that Nelson had a lot of opportunities, and that's the difference between a star and, you know, and I'm not saying Rock is a terrible player, but, a, you know, he's, he's not a star in the league. A star pots those goals, and this game is a laugher. Well, if you think about it, as a whole, grumpy old man, we had a lot of high opportunity chances uh, against Brabovsky. He came up big on a lot of different chances. He was I mean, how many posts? Game. How many posts or crossbars did we hit as well? I, I think, think the Islanders really came out and they had a lot of offensive continuity, which I was not expecting. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that, but I will say that. Don't get me wrong. This is a game we deserve to win. If we would have lost this game, we were losing the series because we I thought we just outplayed them for the most part. They had a 10-minute stretch after that second goal where they played extremely well. The Panthers, that is, pronouns. Uh, the Panthers played extremely well. But for the most part, and particularly in the third period, after we, even after we gave up that goal, 
we just settled down and we just we played extremely well. I I could not have been more pleased with the performance today, honestly. And this is what I expected from them. This is what I expected coming out of the break. We're going to be a team that's going to be prepared to play. And that's exactly what happened. And I think we can really attribute that to the coach, Barry Trotz. Yes. I think we can attribute it to the coach. I think the personnel also helps because we do have a lot of veterans. We have a lot of guys that knows what it takes. But I think a lot of it has to do with Barry Trotz. And as much as we have given Barry Trotz, I think, his a rightful criticism at times, we can also definitely give him rightful praise. And I could not find a better way to say that, yes, Barry Trotz, I, I want to say he had a huge role with the demeanor and the play that we saw on the ice today. Well, A.J. Malesko, who was calling the game on NBC Sports Network, and I think she does a good job on that, hair aside. I think she does a great job on that. Um, she was she was spot on when she said, you know, Barry Trotz and structure, 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 structure. And that's what he's all about. And you just saw it today. And that's what happens when you have time to prepare. Look at the last couple of years, the Islanders come out of the shoot playing really, really well, right? It's not a mistake. Well, two seasons ago, the Islanders did not come out as hot as they did this last year. Because remember, two years ago, they still had Thomas Hickey in the starting lineup, and we were almost a 500 club until Devon Taves joined about midway through the year, and that's when we went on a large winning streak. But defensively, we were rock solid right from the get-go. Yes. And I think guys were still learning how to be defensively responsible and play offensive. That's where Everly struggled initially the first season there, Um, you know, before they kind of knew – when to take a chance, when to not kind of feeling their way through. But defensively, right from the beginning of the year, they've been rock solid the last two seasons and coming out of the break now. I'm not surprised. I think there are also a few, and talking about taking offensive chances, I thought there were a few nice give and goes between Eberly and Matt Barzal today as well. Yeah. Well, they are good. They're good together. I mean, Anders Lee looks out of place on that line. I'm sorry. You know, I looked at some of the guys. I looked at see who had jump in their step today. And for the most part, we had jump, and the guys who didn't were noticeable. I mean, I thought Bailey didn't have jump. I thought Lee didn't have jump. I thought Kunackle, uh, Kunackle. It's funny. My gosh, Grumpy. It's funny. Listen to it. On NBC Sports, they call him Kunackle. Uh, Brendan calls him Kunackle. And, of course, we know Butch calls him Kunackle. So, you know, depending on where you're listening to is how you pronounce his name. But it's, it's Tom Kunockle, um, <laughs> Brendan Burke, thank you very much. Uh, you know, I thought he didn't have jump today. I really thought they might go with Ross Johnson. I think you might see him certainly one of the next two games because they tried to rough us up a little bit. And when you have Ross Johnson on the ice, that stuff just doesn't happen. Well, I thought there was definitely going to be a fight in the third period. Um, obviously the Florida Panthers scoring within the first 30 seconds kind of changed that outcome, but things were definitely getting chippy. Um, Adam Pellick didn't back down at all today either, but things were getting very chippy and very rough. And I think the Florida Panthers were trying to do anything they could to jolt their team um, because they knew they were just getting flat out dominated for the majority of the game through two periods. They needed to do anything they could to go ahead and get some energy and some life in their lines. Yeah, well, I feel it would have been if, if Brock Nelson would have, you know, parked that sitter to make it three nothing. There would have been a fight in the third period. But you're right. As soon as they made it two to one early, there was no way there was going to be a fight. 
I was about to say it was too close um, to go ahead and have anything like that. But if the Islanders even were to extend their lead to two, maybe three goals, I could have promised you there would have been a fight in some capacity. Uh, I don't rule out a fight <laughs> in the future of these games between the Florida Panthers and the New York Islanders. Obviously, it all depends on what the actual game looks like. But things were definitely getting chippy, and that's right, grumpy old man. I'm not sure if we're going to see Ross Johnson out there on the ice. I'm not sure how he's practiced or practiced behind closed doors. If he's practicing at a high capacity, maybe. If not, I don't think he'll he'll see the ice time anytime soon. AJ thought that Johnston was going to start today, and so did I. I mean, because everything you heard of from him, he was playing great on that that third line. He even they even gave him a shot on the second line for a while. I mean, so they've liked how he's been practicing. I wouldn't mind seeing him out there. He gives us a physical presence that we lack otherwise. Yeah, and again, you always expect Matt Martin still to be able to fill that role, but he's definitely kind of changed up his style a little bit where he is not that same player he used to be. And he was another, he was the other guy who uh, I thought did not have any jump in his step today. I thought he was noticeable for uh, – here's the thing. He was noticeable in a negative way only because of how hard Sezikis and Clutterbuck played. I thought uh, that they had jump in their step and he didn't. And that's really the only – the whole line is dead. Uh, you know, it's like, uh, okay. You can maybe, but when you see two guys jumping and one guy kind of laying back, it's like, uh, okay. And you kind of wonder with, obviously with the performance and you talk about the lack of a jump in their step. Now, some players, that's just the way they play. Um, for others, they do occasionally have these moments throughout games, throughout shifts, throughout weeks where they do have that jump and they're playing with they're energized and for a guy who plays on a fourth line like Matt Barton and this is a contract season for him not to have jump in his step and again if this is a continuing trend I definitely see that kind of being the end of the Matt Martin train as much as a fan favorite as he is and he does contribute to the Islanders but in the same token if you're at an advanced age and you don't have a jump in your step after three months off it tells me that you just probably don't have that jump in your step anymore. Yeah, okay. I'm going to go with this. Bringing Matt Martin back would be a mistake. He's 32 years old. As much as he's an Islander favorite, it's time to move on from him. They have plenty of guys who can fill in on that fourth line. You don't want to be overpaying for guys on the fourth line, even though we like to do that. So I just uh, – and that's, a, that's, that's another thing for the offseason. Yes. I'm just geeked about how we played today. And honestly, if you're going to get performance from your third line like we did from Broussard and Pajot today, it bodes well for us going deeper in the playoffs. Absolutely. You look at all these teams that play well in the playoffs, for the most part, again, this is a generalization, for the most part, they're not a team that is centered around one or maybe two lines producing. They have to get performance out of the third and fourth line. Um, and again, with the Matt Martin, I just want to make one more quick adjustment and add to that grumpy old man. He's 32 years old. I don't think necessarily it's the age. I think it's the miles that he has on him. It, I think that's the biggest part to due to it. Well, yeah, it's his style of play. I mean, just like Johnny. I mean, Johnny Boychuk for the uninitiated Johnny. Uh, you know, he's Johnny's 36, but you know, he's that's like in human years and dog years he's probably like 115 i mean just the style that he plays and matt martin's the same way physical players don't last as long i mean they just don't uh but i'm going to be interested to see what changes if any uh barry trotz makes for a game two and remember we got a back-to-back too 12 o'clock in the afternoon starts for tuesday and wednesday so you know there's going to be changes between game two and three i'm just wondering what he's going to do 
You have to you have to definitely think Simone Volimov is going to start uh, game two and on Tuesday. You might see Grice game three Wednesday. I think you'll definitely see both goalies, uh, one on Tuesday, one on Wednesday, for certain. I was about to say, especially because you do have talent for both of those guys. I mean, Grice has performed extremely well the last two seasons, and and Varlamov is playing extremely well as of right now. It's not like there's a significant drop-off between one goalie playing over the other. No. Um, here's the thing. When we play a defensive style and system like we played today, I could play goal almost. (laughs) I'm being facetious, of course. But what I mean is you're not going to have – the goalie doesn't have to stand on their head for the most part. We play a defensive game like we played today. There were not a whole – like I said, not a whole lot of high – high-scoring chance opportunities. They just weren't. Most of the shots from the outside where he's able to line them up, um, economy of movement, like I said, the one chance uh, the one chance he had in an in-close goal, he let go in. Uh, and I think he probably wanted that one back. Yeah, grumpy. Um, and I think I think the Islanders make quick work of this series. Again, I'm not, I, I'm not suggesting they're going to sweep the Florida Panthers. I just don't anticipate this going five games. No. Uh, three, four tops. I just, I just think we're a better overall team than Florida. I don't think that Florida. I think Florida has certainly better offense than we have, but we have better structure. Um, I'm not saying they can't win. I just don't think they're going to. I think the Islanders will win the series. Like I said, I, I, I don't even want to predict a sweep. I'll say four. <laughs> are you feeling superstitious, or you just don't think we're going to have a sweep? I, I don't know. I don't know. Home ice means nothing. You know, to me, home ice means nothing. It's the last change. Um, but for well, the most that kind, of, that kind of does matter, but it's not the same as what home ice would be during a normal Stanley Cup playoff situation. Yeah, teams tend to feed off the energy of the crowd, and there there is none. So, you know, I like I said, it's negligible as far as I'm concerned. Um, but I just – I think if we play like we played the next two games – uh, the next two games, like we played this one, it's going to be a real short series. Absolutely. And again, it allows us to kind of get a feet back and wet. Um, I'll be interested to see how we come out Tuesday or how – correction. I will be interested to see how the Florida Panthers come out Tuesday. I think that is that is the biggest mark because as they might have improved since their scrimmage game against the Tampa Bay Lightning – I thought we took it to him all game. And I thought you made a great point earlier, grumpy old man. Our four check was undeniable at times. And that's not something we see often out of the New York Islanders. That four check, it was like we were putting constant pressure on the Florida Panthers and they were hemmed up in their own zone. Yep. That's, that's, that's playing, you know, under the Barry Trot system. That's the game we need to play. I mean, we can beat anybody when we play like that. Get a get a lucky bounce, score a goal. I mean, that's 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 going to be our winning formula. Let's be honest, right? Going forward. Yes, Grumpy Old Man. And now they had a few other games today. Um, the Carolina Hurricanes beat the Rangers three to two, um, and the Chicago Blackhawks beat the Edmonton Oilers six to four. I, you know, and again, I, I know, I think it was McDavid. I think he had four points today, but as a whole, they said, didn't play that well. Um, and he had no points five on five. Now, I could definitely see the Blackhawks squeaking by maybe with a victory in the series over the Edmonton Oilers. 
okay, what do we have? What do you have um, in Chicago that they don't have in Edmonton? A goalie. Corey Crawford. I mean, uh, Corey Crawford's still in that there, correct? Uh, I don't even know. I know he was injured. He's Yeah, Corey Crawford's still in that. I mean, he didn't stand on his head, I don't think, today. I didn't watch the whole game. But and his numbers weren't gaudy in, in a positive sense. But in the same token, Corey Crawford, when he's playing well, he's definitely a top-tier goalie. Yeah, they have Taves and you know uh, Patrick Kane, and when and Duncan Keith, and when these guys have been in the wars, they know what it takes to win. Edmonton doesn't know what it takes to win yet. They haven't gotten there yet. They're still not good enough defensively. I mean, Kubalik had five points today for Chicago. Think about that. I mean, and and Taves had three points. I mean, you know, McDavid had four, but. You know, Edmonton still hasn't learned how to play defense. They were down four to what four to one after the first period. That game's over. I mean, it just kind of is what it is. I could see Chicago winning that series. Um, you know, a, you know, and they're going to have to earn it. I mean, then you talk about the Hurricanes totally outplayed the Rangers today. I mean, Lundqvist made a couple of fantastic saves, even to keep them in it. Uh, but the Hurricanes scare me because they can really skate and they really are good on the four check and their, their defense jumps up in the play They're there. They gave us problems last year. And here's the thing. We won't play them until if we get to the East coast finals, uh, which is thank God, uh, because I was about to say grumpy. It's, it's hard not to remember what happened in our last, last year's playoff series against the Carolina hurricanes. It's hard not to at least have a fond memory of that or not a fond memory. Have, an unfortunate memory of that. Um, I think you're right. We do not match up all that well against the Carolina Hurricanes because they play a very similar style to us. Uh, and anybody who plays a similar style to us, it's going to be a dogfight. I'm going to be sitting there with sweaty palms the entire game. And uh, the right. I mean, you know, like I said, the Hurricanes looked extremely good today. Um, and Montreal is playing Pittsburgh, and this looks like maybe the first game to, to go to overtime. So, It'll be interesting. It's two to two with a minute to go in the third. Uh, as soon as we get down off this podcast, I'm going to go watch the rest of that game. And then I'm probably going to watch a little bit of Winnipeg and Calgary also. I will tell you one thing, grumpy old man. And we kind of talked about this earlier in podcast. But there, the fact that there's going to be NHL hockey on almost the entire day really allows for the sport to grow. And I'm excited about it. Every single day, there's going to be hockey from 12 o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern Standard Time, essentially until you go to bed. You know what? And I have something else to say. You know, Major League Baseball is having issue, their own issues. But with no fans in the stands, why weren't they doing the same thing? 12 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 10 o'clock. And just pop them all on ESPN or MLB Network or whatever. You know, you have games all day long. When, especially when there's nothing else that's going on. Right. I mean, that's maybe really baseball should have taken a cue from hockey. Honestly, I think it's brilliant by hockey to do that. Brilliant. I, I think I definitely think it was proactive and it was brilliant and we'll see how it pays off. I think right now you're sitting at a time period where people are starved for sports and NBA doesn't even now NBA is not doing that too, grumpy old man. Correct. They have all their games during prime time still. I don't watch the NBA. <laughs> I saw a game on earlier today, but I swore it had to have been a nighttime game. I don't keep up too much with the NBA. I'll watch the NBA Finals, grumpy old man, just so I can feel like, all right, 
I'm participating a little bit. But I'm much I'm much more enthused with college basketball probably am than with the NBA because you know you've got these mega superstars and they all team up and it's kind of where does you know LeBron or where's Kevin Durant going and and they kind of form up together. I don't know. I feel like that aspect of the sport kind of it's a little off putting for me. Yeah, I don't watch the NBA. Uh, I'm not saying I've never watched it, but like I said, I don't really have a whole lot of interest. I do like college basketball. I like the college atmosphere, but for the pros, not too much. Well, they're doing grumpy old man. I want to, I stand corrected. They're doing the same exact thing the NHL is doing to where they're playing their games essentially from, you know, 12 or one o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern standard time, all the way until bedtime. So they're kind of doing the same exact thing and took the same approach that the, 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 the NHL has. Well, you know, it's, it's a smart thing to do. And it's also because they have to do it, honestly, both the NHL and the NBA, because they're in hub cities. Uh, you know, the NBA I know is in Orlando, Florida, and the NHL is in Edmonton and Toronto. So if you want to play every game, you're going to have to space those games out. But I just think it was just real smart to start them early in the day. So maybe maybe they just kind of fell upon it because they're in hub cities, but I just think it was a good move. Hey, it's anytime, anything that's helped out the sport of hockey, I'm a fan of. That is for sure, grumpy old man. Yes. Now, grumpy, uh, before our next podcast, we're going to have a few Islander games to talk about. And I know despite the playoffs resuming and NHL hockey being back, I know as of right now, we're still planning on having one podcast a week. So there's going to be quite a bit of Islander hockey to talk about before our next podcast. Well, uh, when the next podcast we're going to be talking about who the Islanders' next opponent's going to be probably. (laughs) Um, That's the way I look at it. Uh, You know, it's best of five series, so – it should be over by next week, right? By next weekend. I was about to say yes. So grumpy old man, no matter what happens, even if it goes five games, we're looking at there being a conclusion on Sunday. So grumpy, you predict the Islanders to win in four games, correct? Yeah, three or four, two, whatever. I think Flores <laughs> just go home now. <laughs> well, the games are going to be scheduled out on Tuesday at 12 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, then Wednesday at 12 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Then there's going to be a game on Friday, and now the time is still yet to be determined. Um, again, that is to if there is a game on Friday, it, you know, if there's no sweep, and then as well on Sunday. Yeah, I don't see us going to Sunday. I just don't. Okay, Grumpy. Now I have to ask you, how are you going to be able to watch the games? Now it's going to be, you're going to be at work and everything of that nature. Now I've got to ask you, what's your innovative way to go ahead and watch a little New York Islanders action during work? I work from home. What's the problem? See, I forgot about that, Grumpy old man. You're lucky then. I have forgotten that you've fallen upon that there. You're working at home. Um, I don't have the same luxury. I'm able to multitask. I'll tell you, it's that's I guess one of the. I will be trying to do anything I can to watch the game during every free moment that I have, but um, I probably will not be able to sit in front of my phone and stream it as if I were to if the game was during like a prime time slot. Well, I guess you'll just have to count on me giving you what happens, and I can tell you right now, Bailey Nelson, they're both going to suck, um, but the other guys will be great. <laughs> <laughs> grumpy i've got the nhl analyst and expert giving me all the lowdowns oh gosh uh, this is it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting grumpy old man maybe i could just find a way to record it and go ahead and go ahead and go home and watch it when i get done with working out from the gym well you can certainly do that because you know 
Uh, you have a couple of days. You can go over the game with a fine-tooth comb since we're not going to be uh, podcasting till next Saturday probably. So, you know, you can do that and get all your ducks in a row. Well, that sounds great, grumpy old man. Is there anything else you kind of wanted to add in today's podcast before we wrap things up? No, I'm just happy that hockey's back. It's great. I am too, Grumpy. Um, I'm happy sports are back. I've even enjoyed watching a little bit of the MLB. It's going to be odd there only being a 50 game season or 50 game, 60, I'm sorry, a 60 game regular season. I'm a Mets fan, Grumpy Old Man. I, I know we've talked about it, but my God almighty, they blew that game against the Red Sox yesterday. Oh, crap they're up eight to two and i saw the memes of mr met trying to find a way to kill himself and they were funny <laughs> it says people who uh bought the sports channel to watch the mets also ordered from amazon a stool and a rope <laughs> you know you can go ahead and conclude what you can conclude what you want from that <laughs> yeah they're just well okay the mets are what they are they always will be what they Yankees really are. Yankees are real good, though, just to let you know. Yankees are outstanding. Yeah, I, and again, like this is not Islanders talk. Now, Grumpy, what are they going to do with Miguel Andahar? I guess since he can't play the field, uh, he's going to have a hard time getting in the lineup. If he's not hitting, he's going to have a hard time playing. They should have moved him. I was about to say, I wonder if that's a candidate for a guy possibly they look to move because – you know, with Gurial playing now, it's 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 Gurial, correct? He plays or no, no, no? Is it Geo? Who is who is who plays third base for the Yankees? Grumpy. Well, they've had a bunch of different guys play third base, um, but uh, you're talking about Ursella, Geo yeah, Ursella. That's it. That's it. Um, he hasn't been great this year. I mean, he's played well the last couple of games, but here's the thing: he can field. I, I mean, you know. They have a, the Yankees have a whole lineup of guys who could play designated hitter. Optimally, you want to use one of their outfielders. You know, you got Judge, Hicks, Gardner, Stanton, one of those guys. They should have a rotating, uh, you know, designated hitter out of those four guys. That's what I would do. Um, you know, so to me, Andahar, he's like kind of a man left out right now when he's not hitting. He's not getting a whole lot of bats, so he's not hitting. You know, it's a vicious cycle. I like him as a hitter. I really do. He just can't feel the lick. I was about to say, I mean, you know, two years ago, he was up for possible rookie of the year talks. And then last year, obviously, he had that, what was it? He tore something in his shoulder, I believe, I correct? Torn labrum. I think he torn labrum. And that derailed his season. Um, yeah. And he tried to play through it a few times, but they were like, yeah, he's just got to get hit. He's got to go ahead and get surgery. And his inability to field might shorten his career. But you figure that's. That's one of those things that's routine, right? You have to learn how to be able to field if you want to be an everyday starter in Major League Baseball. Um, you would if think. not, he'll find him. He'll find himself, you know, stuck on an AL team or an American League team for the rest of his career, or he's got to find a way to field. Well, with the new CBA coming up, you might see right now this year the NL is also using National League NL is also using the designated hitter, and if they uh, determine they want to adopt that in the National League. Uh, you know, that opens up everybody. But for the Yankees to move him, he's going to have to perform a little bit. So that's they can get true. Some value for him. That is true, Grumpy. Well, I want to thank you for being a part of the podcast as always, Grumpy Old Man. My pleasure. And thank you again to the Hockey Podcast Network. They allow us to have this podcast on multiple different platforms. Anywhere you listen to your podcast, whether it's iTunes, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, 
anywhere you listen to your podcast, you can find the Hockey Podcast Network's version of the Never Say Die podcast. So thank you to them. And again, thank you so much, grumpy old man. Thank you. And let's go New York Islanders.